Welcome back to Tip Today. Delighted to be joined in studio by Thomas Conway for a look at global news for this new year. Good morning, Thomas. Morning, Ali. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. When we look forward to 2024, I suppose there's just one word, elections. Elections, 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 elections. And they're popping up everywhere. It isn't just the big ones. I mean, obviously, your mind will go straight away to the American general election. We're likely to have a general election here in this country. The UK is also likely to go to the polls. But in total, more than half the people on the planet live in countries that would hold a nationwide election in 2024. That's incredible. Close to 2 billion people in more than 70 countries. It, it, it really is astonishing. And it's not just... It's not just, they're not just elections in themselves. They're significant elections and elections which would significantly shape the global political landscape. We have the big ones. I've mentioned the big ones. I mean, America is going to be huge. Mm. It will determine not just the future trajectory of the US, but the trajectory of Europe and other places across the globe as well. Will Trump sweep back to power? Will Biden be able to defeat him? And it, in all likelihood, looks like it will be a rematch between Trump and Biden, barring ill health or something like that. Do you think so? Because Nikki Halley's doing well. She's doing well, in fairness to her. Now, I wonder, would she be considered as a running mate to Trump? Yeah. That is my my suspicion there. I think she's doing well, but she's still polling well behind Donald in the the polls. I don't think she's credibly uh, going to steal his nomination, but she could stand as a running mate and she would be quite a strong running mate, would curry favour with a lot of middle class mm-hmm. urban voters you know which Trump needs if he wants to beat Biden this time round yeah. so you know a lot. there's going to be a lot of controversy that campaign has the potential to turn poisonous absolutely uh, and it, it, we're, we're straight into that in two weeks with caucuses aren't yeah, we yeah we're straight we have the we have the Iowa caucus we then have we then have the intersection of Trump's federal uh, investigations and, and his uh, his court cases essentially with the election campaign so I think he's in court the day before Super Tuesday which is when 14 oh it's astonishing it's astonishing it'll be the first time in in recorded history that we have a US presidential candidate who's a felon effectively Uh, well he hasn't been convicted just yet uh, but he's already been struck off the record in Maine and Colorado. Now, he will likely appeal that to the Supreme Court and they will quash it so he'll get away with it. But, I mean, it just outlines the gravity of this situation. The thing is, though, it isn't just America. I, I was looking at it all. The most ballots will be cast in Asia. Its biggest democracies, Bangladesh, India and Indonesia, they'll all go to the polls. The Indian one is particularly interesting. You have Narendra Modi, a Hindu nationalist prime minister there, uh, very focused. He has led his country relatively well, but he's been very controversial and has sowed a lot of division across India in recent years. He is likely to secure another term. That'll be very interesting. Joko Widodo, the president of Indonesia, he is kind of a political dynasty in Indonesia and will look to consolidate his power there. So it isn't just America that you have these elections happening. It really is all over the place. And then... You look across the water at Britain, I mean, no more than ourselves, like it will be fascinating. Yeah. Is this, this is Keir Starmer's moment. It's his moment to shine. He has an opportunity now which few Labour leaders have been given in the past. He's kind of rehabilitated Labour's reputation since the Corbyn days. Yeah. You know, he's brought them back from the far left to a more moderate party of kind of centre-left liberals. And the question is now... Can he stand up to Rishi Sunak and defeat Rishi Sunak? The polls would suggest he can. Uh, the polls are are in his favour very much so. But it will be very interesting to see. Can he mm. retain that red wall of voters in the North East Midlands 
uh, that plump Conservative Party last time. Yeah, it'll be it a very be, dirty one, won't it? It will. It will. It'll be extremely. Again, it could get poisonous, yeah. and and it's sad to see. When the rhetoric becomes so nasty and toxic, I don't think general, you know, the general population likes that. You know, you like to see a respectable campaign. You like to see it carried out in respectable terms. Mm. Uh, but that one has the election, uh, the, the prospect to get very ugly, as does an Irish general election. And we have to allude to it because, I mean, Leo is likely to pull one probably in the autumn. We have huge European and local elections in in May. In June, uh, yeah. in, in June rather. Uh, he's likely to go for one in the autumn. It'll be very interesting to see. The government can run its course until, I think, March of next year, so March 2025. But my suspicion, and I think the suspicions of a lot of people across the political spectrum, is he will uh, he will go for it earlier uh, and choose to go at some stage in the autumn. Now, you never know. Uh, you do you never... think he'll use the local elections as a sounding board? I think he probably will. Yeah. And if Sinn Féin do particularly well, it'll be interesting to see what he makes. But Sinn Féin have dipped in the polls in the past few polls, but they're still leading. They still have a considerable lead and they still are by far the most popular party. Fine Gael is kind of languishing there. Fianna Fáil has got a bit of a bounce. Micheál Martin is, is popular. Uh, and I like him as a politician. I think he's, you know, all sorts of rumours that he might travel off to Europe, that he might go for the European Commissioner role. He has kind of dismissed that and said, no, he will remain in this country for the time being. And that is my suspicion that he will, he will stay with Irish politics and stay the course here. Mm. So it'll be very interesting to see. It without will doubt. be very interesting. Uh, if we look at then Mexico as well, because it's not all bad news, they will elect their first female president. Yeah, Claudia Scheinbaum is her name. She's a former mayor of Mexico City and this is look this is fantastic news anyone who believes in inequality gender equality should be delighted to hear this this Claudia Scheinbaum figure she's kind of a look she's a protege of the current uh, the current president Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador who is kind of a populist he 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 kind of skirts along the boundaries of of populism he's done a relatively good job as president he's brought brought crime rates down a little bit and as we know crime is mm. is the major issue in Mexico in Mexico City in particular yeah. i'm not sure he hit the cartels as much as he promised he would no though. yeah he made he he made lavish promises that he would tackle cartel and the the narco narco yeah. trade industry uh he hasn't really been as successful as he would have liked which just points to the strength and depth yeah. that they have and the grip which they have over the country. Now, this this new uh, woman, woman I should say, Claudia Scheinbaum, she's up against another cont- a contender, another female, uh, who isn't likely to defeat her. But, I mean, we, so we have two females in the running, which means one is going to be elected. It will almost certainly be a female president. Uh, she has kind of come with a, a range of kind of innovative new policies. She... Uh, she's kind of she had an interesting tenure as mayor of Mexico City helped to bring crime rates down there by doing relatively simple things by such things as introducing street lighting in areas where there once was none you know small actions like that which actually can make a change beefing up the security forces beefing up the police force uh, and you would expect in the role as president she will look to do more of that that she will look to consolidate the security services because Mexico is a country racked by violence and ravaged mm. by violence and they really have to get a grip on it. A lot of the problems along the southern US border with Mexico stem from the violence in that region, 
the illegal people smuggling, the cartel struggling, smuggling, the narco, the narco trade there, uh, drug smuggling into the US. It's an issue that has to be tackled. If if there's to be any harmony between between the US government and the Mexican government, if they are to work side by side, and I think Mexico as a country which is blossoming in some respects, it has huge economic potential there. Yeah. Uh, you know, a booming, thriving population, a young and skilled labour force. It has quite a young population as well, which is uh, which is an asset to it. But it has to get to on top of crime if it is to if it is to move forward and push forward and improve. Absolutely. Taiwan then as well. I mean, yeah. it's interesting because these are all elections we feel will have absolutely no impact on us. But it does have a wider global kind of reverberation, doesn't it? Oh, it does. It does. And the Taiwanese one is is upcoming. It's on January 13th. And it is really interesting because it will determine the future trajectory of Taiwan, essentially, whether it stays close or whether it maintains its independence from China or whether it forges a closer alliance depends on which candidate is elected. There are kind of two candidates. One one party favours China, favours kind of unification or a slow process of unification with the Chinese mainland. The other is staunchly independent. And we saw President Xi Jinping, the Chinese president, allude to it in his in his New Year's Day speech. We saw him allude to the uh, the looming election in China and the fact that he wants to bring it under Thai or under Chinese control. It'll be a particularly interesting one. I mean, for the fate of the West, it's in the West's interest that Taiwan maintains its independence. And America has pledged has pledged to support it uh, in the event of a Chinese invasion. It is, you know, it has stood firmly behind it. Now, should that happen, can you imagine another war on, you know, we have Ukraine, we have the Middle East, we have numerous conflagrations across the across the African continent, which are sometimes forgotten if there were to be a brewing storm over Taiwan, I mean, that would have disastrous consequences for the global political order. Uh, you have all these fires going off in different parts of the world and it's, you know, it's sad and it's it's difficult to, uh, it's difficult to reckon with them because there are so many consequences. There are, people are losing their lives here. Uh, people are losing their lives in the Middle East, in Ukraine. Uh, Taiwan is another place that is in a perilous position now. So this election really will be crucial in determining its future direction. Yeah. I mean, if you could look back at at global politics over 2023 and assign one word to it, I think it would probably be insecurity, wouldn't it? Is that that set to continue this year? Insecurity is the word, and it looks like it. As long as the conflict in the Middle East festers and as long as the Ukrainian-Russian conflict continues to persist, I think that notion of insecurity will remain high on, on people's agenda. And look, there doesn't look to be a way out, an immediate way out, certainly in terms of the Middle East. You had Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, the Israeli Prime Minister, saying this is a war that will take many more months. My suspicion is that it could take even more than that, that we could be looking at years here. And certainly with the Russia-Ukraine situation, we're looking at a long, a war of endurance. Mm. Uh, And Vladimir Putin knows that. And Russia are probably in a better position from that perspective. They have more manpower, simply. They have a, a colossal amount of troops that they can call upon in contrast to Ukraine, which is now trying to mobilise mobilise younger men and get people out on the battlefield because Ukraine's groups are, are tired at this mm. stage and understandably so, fatigue would creep in at this stage of the war. They're kind of, 
you know, they've got Western support. It is crucial that the West continues to support them. And I can't underline how crucial, uh, how, how important that is, that there is a sustained package of support, not just in terms of military support, but financial as well, because Ukraine is trying to prop up a war economy. It still has to gain funds just to run its government departments, just to run ordinary things like healthcare, education. It still needs money and by implication, it needs the support of Western allies. Uh, so the interventions of Western nations, of America, of Europe, will be crucial there, mm. also crucial but in the Middle East. But it doesn't have the support of, of voters, and that could be a problem, particularly in the US elections. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And if Trump were to come to power, you have to question what would happen. I mean, he's he said he'll solve this crisis in a day and kind of one of these, you know, off-the-cuff remarks. You really don't know what Trump... Uh, he could do anything. He could throw a spanner in the works and he could take a side... Uh, almost immediately but I mean it is very unpredictable it is in Ukraine's interest definitely that Joe Biden remains in power Uh, but you do have that cohort you're absolutely right that cohort of the US population who are disinterested in the war in Ukraine and kind of disinterested in the Middle East as well and look they have their own issues at home they have domestic fires burning and they want those issues solved rather than going to tackle the, the crisis there so It'll be an interesting one. It'll be, you know, my, my my prediction is that both wars will persist throughout 2023. There looks to be no end in sight. And the thing about the, the Middle East in particular is there seems to be no unity candidate emerging. There seems to be no no John Hume, if you like. We yeah. had the Irish peace process and we had figures like John Hume, Seamus Mallon, who came to the fore uh, and kind of rescued the peace process, resurrected the hopes of peace and knit it together, the Good Friday Agreement, you don't kind of have that happening in the Middle East at the moment. I see no kind of potential successor to uh, Netanyahu emerging, who's who's an advocate of peace, similar on the Palestinian side. So well, he probably wouldn't allow it either. He probably wouldn't allow it. Now, his, I think his, his term is finite, his term is short-lived. Once the war ends, Netanyahu will go and I think he will he will have to answer questions for how this all happened under his watch uh, and very serious questions. So will many of the military generals there. Uh, but for the time being, he's in power, he's in situ, he's in charge of a war cabinet and there looks to be no stopping him as far as Israel is concerned and the bombardment of the Gaza Strip. So do you really believe, Thomas, we this time next year we will still be talking about a war in the Middle East and a war in Ukraine? I think we probably will. I think it's probably certain Certainly with the war in Ukraine, I mean, it looks to have grown to a stalemate at this point. Uh, And unless there is some kind of peace settlement, there's been no indication from either side that they will accept a peace settlement. I mean, any settlement, it would seem to Vladimir Putin, will have to comprise of them taking certain Ukrainian territories, the annexed territories. Vladimir Zelensky will not agree to that. And too right he is. I mean... It would be an illegal annexation of of part of Ukraine. He's right to stand up for his country. Uh, But as far as peace is concerned, it's a really difficult one. The tensions will continue to boil. I think uh, Russia and Ukraine will continue to pour troops onto the battlefield unless somebody can step in from Europe, unless uh, an Emmanuel Macron can come in there and try and mediate between the two. Unless Trump comes in and shakes the whole thing up and forces people into action, it's likely that the war in Ukraine will continue. It's definitely likely that the Middle East will will probably continue. Certainly it will extend into the coming months, Ali. And, mm. and there, there is no doubt about that. I mean, the question is, in the Middle East, 
once the war is over and we hope, you know, we hope it's short term, what happens then? What happens to Gaza? Who is in control of it? Uh, who administers the territory? Is it the Israelis? Surely the Gazan population will not accept that after the, the bombardment that has been raining down upon them since the start of this war. So who controls these territories? It's it's a very it's a very interesting one. It's hard to get your head around. Uh, but certainly I think we're looking at another year of conflict on the horizon, yeah. Yeah. Uh, with 2024 and all the elections we can look forward to across the world, do you think that any of those elections or maybe all of them together will, gi- will give us a bit of stability? There's a, there's, a, there's a prospect. You know, you can... You can dream about an election in America in which Biden comes back to the presidency. I know he's old and I know people will immediately point to his age. He'll be 85 if he wins this presidential election, 85 by the end of uh, his second term, which is remarkable in itself. But he has done a relatively good job as president, in my estimation. He has kind of restored a bit of respectability, a bit of credibility to America. I think the opposite. I think America think so? is a laughing stock now because of Biden, more so than under Trump. Do you think so? That's fascinating. Yeah. That's fascinating. And do you mind me asking why? Like why? I just feel he's a character that nobody takes seriously, that he's a bit of a puppet. Yeah, well, there, there's an argument. There's an argument for that, and I know I do accept with his health, he he can look very fragile at times. And in contrast to Trump, Trump, who is this vivacious, energetic yeah. character who kind of carries with him this ball of charisma and can command a room. Biden is a very different figure. But I'm looking at the international alliances that are there and the fact that the US has stepped back into the, we'll say, the Paris Climate Change Agreement, other agreements there. Uh, and I think he has restored a bit of credibility on that front. But certainly it's an interesting. I take your point. I take your point that Trump could be a character who shakes things up. And he's proven that in the past. And in ways, you know, Trump, everything Trump did in his last term wasn't all incorrect. He made a couple of shrewd political moves. I think the pandemic got the better of him ultimately. Uh, ultimately, and that led to his downfall. Uh, and his behaviour in kind of in light of that kind of tainted him and tainted his reputation. Uh, but certainly he is a decisive man and he is a man of action and he will definitely uh, he will definitely tackle these kind of looming global crises head on. Uh, you can be certain of that. So there is, it'll be very interesting to see were he to reassume the presidency, what implications it would have for the global political landscape, not just for America. Yeah, it's all to watch out for in 2024. Thomas, thanks for talking to us this morning. Pleasure, Ali. Thank you. Happy New Year. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.